Welcome back, everyone, to the I'm Open podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about someone who's pushing the words all you can eat to a new level. We're also going to be talking about the NFL. Did they make their biggest mistake ever? And a brand new creative way to quit your job. All coming up next on the I'm Open podcast. I'm Open Family. Today we are blessed to have with us back again in the studio, KC, aka DJ Roadrunner, aka the Water Malone Ranger himself. What's up, bro? How you feeling? <laughs> What's going on, David? How you doing? Man? I'm great, doing? man. I am great. We're blessed to have you back in the studio. Excited. We have a lot going on basketball season you know as you know is around the corner football season's in full swing so this is really it's a great time to be a sports fan and it's really a great time to to, to just be somebody who's maybe a little bit interested in sports as well yeah man you know it's about that time summer's over but you still have almost everything coming up like you said man basketball's a couple of weeks away football is really starting to kick up you got postseason baseball hockey just started tonight I'm sure there's some other sports going on that I'll follow. Yeah. <laughs> um, the main sports are in full swing, man. Actually, I'm glad you said. I'm glad you mentioned the sports you don't follow, because that is what we're going to start off with today. You know, I'm open family. We always keep our minds open to to to, to maybe non-traditional sports or uh, you know the ones that are on the mainstream. So we're going to start today with a gentleman by the name of Yaroslav Bobrowski, and he is a triathlete. He has a really intense uh, workout regimen where he will fast for like 20 hours at a time and then just gorge and eat as much as he can. He like will compete in Ironmans and all types of stuff like that. So I guess like with the Ironman, you're like literally running like all day. So I guess he has to practice not eating like all day. So anyway, this man made the news, not because of his performance in the Ironman, but because of his performance eating sushi. Now, Casey, I'm going to start this one off to you. Are you a sushi fan? I, I am a very, I am a sushi fan. You are. I'm not a fanatic, but I, yeah. I enjoy good sushi. You, you know, support every couple months. Now this, I support. You support the cause. Maybe you're not a huge stand, but you support. Now my second question: At what? How much sushi do you is is maybe too much sushi? At what point is is, is there too much sushi? Yeah, man. It, like it's over the happy hour in a place like a dollar sushi or something like that. I would say you're you're eating too much once you get past. 35 rolls. Or not, 35. That's a lot. I don't even know if I could. And I love sushi. I don't even know if I could do this. I've been out I've been out with a coworker. He's had plenty in one sitting. And I was like, all right. But maybe, you know, I, 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 once you get past 25, yeah. maybe I'll say you're hungry. When you get to 30, it's like, all right, you know, I don't know if this is a special occasion or you just are a huge sushi fan. But once you pass 35, it's like, yo. Yeah. You got to respect the sushi. Like, sushi isn't yeah. like a pizza. Like, it's not meant to be devoured, right? I feel like it's more like it's a kind of a, Yeah, it's a luxury food. It's kind of a novelty food, right. you know? Jaroslav Bobrowski, he ate. So, I'm not even counting by the pieces of sushi. You said, you know, maybe 20, 30, too many pieces of sushi. This man ate 18 pounds of sushi in one sitting. 18 pounds. He was at a restaurant in Germany. I don't even know they had good sushi. They had a deal going, $26 for unlimited sushi. And he ate 100 
plates of sushi. They're estimating that it was maybe about 18 pounds of sushi that this man ate. The restaurant has said he is no longer welcome to go back there. <laughs> he ate. He ate the whole stock. He ate the whole buffet. He, he cleaned out. He cleaned out their inventory for that day and days to come. Well, I mean, what do you think? <laughs> Did he go too far, or should they have That's not? Way too far? Are you kidding me? Eighteen pounds? <laughs> you said over over a hundred like plates. Yes, over over a hundred plates of sushi that that's came like, up to that's like eighteen like pounds. That's Nathan's hot dog. That's that's even. Yeah. That's, I would say that's it's on that level. It does bring but me back. The only thing is, for the Nathan's hot dog is that's a designated thing. Everyone understands that the goal is to eat mm-hmm. as many hot dogs as you can. He just walked into a restaurant. They didn't anticipate this at all, and he cleaned out their whole kitchen. My only thing that I would say, I'm just going to play the devil's advocate here. If I see an all-you-can-eat buffet, personally, I take that as a challenge. I take that as a personal challenge. You know, I, for example, I recently went to to Fogo to Chow to celebrate my birthday, which is like one of those Brazilian steakhouses where they like cut off the meat for you. Red card, green card, red card, card, green card. You know, I kept it on the green card all night because when you have that. When it when it's that style of eating, I know me personally, I take it as a personal challenge. So the, could Yaroslav normally eat a hundred plates of sushi? I mean, obviously he has this sort of gorge and gorge and fast diet that maybe you know throws off the amount he can eat. But I feel like because they said, "Oh, this is all you can eat," I think he took it as like a personal challenge. Like, "Oh, all I can eat? Okay, you know, let me show you." And I feel like that's kind of it's like don't don't write a check you can't cash. I think that's what they say sometimes. And right. it's like it seems like if you say all you can eat buffet, you have to realize that like you are trying to attract people who like to eat a lot. And if you really say all you can eat, they're gonna eat as much as they can. Yeah. Now twenty six. Yeah, go ahead. Isn't there like a unspoken, unsaid rule that's like even all you can eat, but you still have to leave some. You cross the line, mm-hmm. bro. If they kick you out, you cleaned out the inventory, man. That's not yeah. cool. Yeah. Be, well, Fogo to Chow, I, w- I would expect that you know. They have a certain cap because they're used to doing this, right, with the green card. They have yeah. some way of having unlimited food. But it sounds like this place, he cleaned out their inventory. Like, yeah. they weren't expecting him to go ham like that. It's one of those signs, like you said, don't cash it, uh, check you can't cash. Like, yeah. Don't put it in. Yeah. They probably have a sign where it's like, all right, all you can eat, but don't eat it all. Yeah, and don't literally eat <laughs> Yeah. tomorrow or the people come and he cleaned their house. And it almost made them look bad yeah. because then the people were like, oh, man, this, this really isn't an all-you-can-eat buffet, huh? Yeah, don't eat it all. I think that's the point. What restaurant do you think you had the, you would have the best chance of being banned from? If they had a similar situation to this, what 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 restaurant do you think you could eat? Eight, now I don't think either one of us could eat eighteen pounds. That's that's like two babies. That's cr- not that not that I would eat a baby. That's terrible. I'm just saying it's a lot of food. When you just try to put it in context. Uh, but what restaurant do you think if they had an all you could eat challenge, Casey? What restaurant do you think you might just keep going and keep going until they kick you out? Is there any place or is there any type of food? It's not a quantity thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I think I could go pretty hard. So like my favorite type of food is like Italian food. Mm-hmm. So like I could go I could go in pretty hard on like some pizza. Yeah. Some tortellini, some pasta, some you know, fettuccine yeah. alfredo, some carbonara. I could go in on that. Um, I think I could do a good amount of tacos if it's very hungry. I I could kill some Mexican pretty good. Yeah. Um, but not to that degree. I mean, there, there's a cap, right? Yeah. 
it's just a, a, a cap. Maybe it's like a social cap I, I have on my on my own like restraint, but I just don't think I could go in like that. How about you, bro? What do you? Uh, yeah, what would be your I was trying to oh. think about that. Um, I think maybe Cold Stone Creamery. <laughs> I love some ice cream. I don't know at what point I would get really get full. I wouldn't want to get kicked out. Obviously, it's a shame that he got kicked out. How many ice creams? I mean, is this like scoops or cones? Uh, so if we're saying the gotta have it size, which is the biggest size, right? Isn't gotta have it or is it love it? Need it? Want it? Fiending for it? <laughs> there are all the different sizes that cold stone, you know? Can't live without it. Whatever the biggest size is, I feel like I could probably do a solid 10 of those. Damn, bro, that's deep. I don't know how long that would take me, though. I don't know how long that would take me. But I think if I was really pushing myself, I think I could do a solid 10 of the of the really, really need it in my blood, you know, inject this ice cream straight into my veins, level size, whatever, you know, the biggest size. I think I could put down a solid 10. You know, bro. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. I mean, and now, now I'm really inspired to, now that we know a bit more about uh, this whole situation with uh, Yaroslav Bob- Bobrowski, I would love to just try and see, you know, maybe if we can find an, an all-you-can-eat sushi place near here to see. I don't think either one of us can get to 18 pounds, but to see, you know, what, what our limit is, just to kind of give context to how impressive it really is. Yeah, man. Eighteen pounds of sushi is definitely way more than you and I could handle, probably even combined, because I don't think I could eat nine pounds of sushi. But somebody else who had all they could handle and more is Vontae Davis, proud DMV product. Shout out to Dunbar High School. Vontae had had enough of football, and he didn't necessarily retire in the traditional way. Vontae actually retired during halftime of the Buffalo Bills game against the Los Angeles Chargers. He went out for the first half. He actually played. Then he went into the locker room, and he never came out for the second half, and it had come out that he had retired. What do you think of this, Casey? I've never heard of this type of thing before with somebody literally retiring during the game. I think it's admirable, man. I think it shows a man who understands his purpose and what he wants. Most guys... Stretch it out. Mm-hmm. Here comes the There comes the complications. That just shows me a guy who knows what he wants, man, you know? Mm-hmm. You come into the locker room after halftime. Yeah. I'm done. There, there's, there's no pressure. There's no negotiation. There's no deal. I'm, I'm done. I, and I think, you know, he may be a trailblazer. I think he guys, is. Guys might start doing that. Like, you know, they might have an epiphany. Like, you know what, man? I don't have to do this. Like, I'm not going to do this at all. I can literally walk out. And there may be a fine. There may be a penalty. There, you know, some clause in the contract for that's not acceptable. But it's, you know, it happens all the time, man. I'm sure. I haven't seen it, but I know for a fact it happens. You go to work. You come back from lunch. You sit at your desk, and you have that kind of epiphany. You said, I'm done. I don't have to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And once again, there will probably be an HR follow-up, and there may be some ramifications or consequences, but... It happens all the time, so that's just a different space than where he did it on the football field. Now, <laughs> they were expecting him to serve his role. He's a good player, so it's, you know, a loss for the team. I'm pretty sure whoever the backup for him in the position did not expect to play that day, so hopefully they know the playbook and are ready to go. But, uh, I, man, I think, it's, I think it's pretty badass. 
Yeah, so he obviously did... No, he obviously did lose money. Like you're saying, there's penalties, right? He did lose money. The contract he originally signed for the season was $5 million. So he's obviously not going to make that full contract. When, Like you're saying, when, you're, when you listen to your heart, you know, right? I think the crazy thing is he didn't even stay for the rest of the game. He literally changed out of his uniform, put on his normal clothes, like his jeans or whatever, and just walked out during the middle of the game. Like he didn't even stay to see if they won or lost. Now, I kind of respect to the Bills suck. They're probably one of the worst teams in the league. They've only won one game so far. And I think he was just like, look, am I ri-? Like you're saying, football is a dangerous sport. And we see guys younger and younger retiring and realizing, you know what, what am I putting my body at risk for? He's already 30, so he's made, he's had a long career, pretty decent career, and he's made money for himself to probably support himself. When your heart's not in it, it's not in it. And if your heart's not in it, football is not the game for you because you can really hurt yourself like imagine if he had gone back out in the second half and not really been into the game and then broke his leg or something and you know a lot of these guys can't even really walk by the time they're 40 years old so honestly respect to him for for listening to his heart even though it was kind of a weird weird time to do it unconventional time to do it yeah man has anything ever like that happened or is he the first i can't think of anyone having done that the way he did it yeah, I can't think of that either. I think it's just like, man, playing. I think he was just thinking. I th- it was only the second game of the season. Buffalo had got whooped in their first game. They were already getting whooped at halftime of the second game. And I think he was thinking, I got 14 more games like this? 14 more? Like another three and a half months of getting your head smashed, you know, by other people, getting your knees hit smashed. I, I've never heard of that at all before, but you're right. I wonder if he'll be a trailblazer, and I wonder if he'll be the person, you know, if other people will follow in his lead. His brother uh, is also Vernon Davis, so, you know, shout you know, shout out to them. They did not make our – shout out to the Davis Stay brothers. Strong. Yeah. Vernon's staying strong, and he's actually the older brother. Um, and they're both from, from D.C., so, of course, we love them. The Davis brothers did not quite make our uh, power rankings, our siblings' power rankings. I don't know if this move is going to help or hurt their case. We'll, see, we'll have to see the next time the power <laughs> rankings come out. <laughs> I think, you know, man, it's, we'll have to see how the story follows with Vontae and mm-hmm. Vernon does this season with the Skins, but I definitely think we now have to put an asterisk next to them as potential. Yeah, and I can, look, I can just say it's hard being on a team that sucks. Well, first of all, he played college at Illinois, which is not really a big football school at all. Then he went to the Miami Dolphins. Then he went to the Indianapolis Colts. And then he went to the Buffalo Bills. None of those teams are really very good at all, including his college team. So it's like after 12 years of just being on teams that suck and just getting whooped, it's like what's you, you might lose a little bit at that passion you have for the game. Man. It definitely took a fucking yeah. toll on, man. It's hard losing. I mean, losing. I'm surprised no one from the Browns has done that. I'm really surprised nobody from the Browns has done that too, to be honest. And that's why I think more people might do it. Now, I'm surprised that somebody from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't do that last weekend. Actually, they lost to the Chicago Bears, 48 to 10. And the Bears aren't even that good. I mean, the Bears are okay. They have a hard, they have a tough defense. But 48 to 10. I was thinking as I watched some of the highlights from that game. This would be a great opportunity to use the old Vontae Davis trick and just quit during the middle of the game. Save face a little bit. Right. Now, after the game, KC, you're not going to believe this. The head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, his name is Dirk Cutter, and he said, we should fire everyone that was on that field today, starting with me. Have you ever asked for yourself to be fired? 
have been times where in my head I might have thought, oh, I messed up or I didn't do well, but mm-hmm. not to that extreme. But once again, man, I'm playing devil advocate now. Yeah. It shows a level of humility. It's ridiculous, okay. yeah. but it shows like, hey, man, because think about it. Do you think Mike McCarthy, coach of the Green Bay Packers, or Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. coach of the uh, New England Patriots, would ever take that much ownership and fault on themselves? Oh, no, absolutely I mean, not. Clearly, they're coaching so good, so they very yeah. seldom have had opportunities. Mm-hmm. I should say, not opportunities, but reasons why mm-hmm. their coaching would have led to a loss. But, man, guys got egos in the NFL, man. And, it's, you know, if I'm playing for the Bucks, the next week I'm getting up, we got to get a win. Because that means Coach and I are on the same page. That's just me. What do, what do you think, man? Yeah. So I have before uh, said you should fire me, actually. So I can kind of relate on this level. And I think I know where he's coming from. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've had a situation at a previous, uh, pl- you know, place of employment where, where I was at where I made, a, like, a small mistake that, you know, it wasn't, obviously, it's a mistake. It wasn't on purpose. I was disappointed that I made my mistake, but it was something that we could easily fix. And my boss was really overreacting at the time, like, freaking out to the problem. And then I said to her, if it's really that much of a problem, you could just fire me if you want. Really? Yeah. You, you, you're that bad I knew she wasn't going to fire me. It, it wasn't, like, testing her or threatening her. I just knew she wasn't going to fire me. So part of the point was like, okay, then fire me. No, you won't because you know deep down I'm doing a good job and that you can't really replace what I'm doing. She's like, no, of course not, of course not. I mean, you know, that, that's how she responded. So I think he was almost beating his owner or his boss to the punch before they called him into the office to chew them, him out because he probably knew that was coming. So before they even had a chance to be like, hey, Dirk, what the hell is going on? Our team just lost by 38 points and we look like shit. He just came straight out and said, y'all should fire me. And this is a great move, I think, because now when he talks to his boss, the owner, he's going to be like, hey, Dirk, you know, I believe in you, man. We're not going to fire you. Like, he's going to start, he's going to start, um, he's going to start, like, building him back up and pumping him up. And and to the point, you know, I made before about quitting at halftime, they were down 38-3 to three already by halftime. So that definitely would have been a great chance to just quit already. Right. And I think he knows it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, who else? It's not really like people are lining up to go coach that team. So I think he's just like, y'all could really fire me if you want to. And he's kind of putting himself, he's kind of cornering his boss. So his boss is going to have to come back and say, hey, man, you know, it's not acceptable, but we really support you and we know you can do better and we know you're not going to do that again. Yeah, man. I you know. It's like you said, it's similar to your situation. <laughs> it's one of those things where, well, actually, I don't know, because the NFL, you know, owners, owners drop people like mm. as much as players. But I do think that uh, the Bucks coach knew, you know, that he's in a spot where he can stay. But also, like, I, you know, me personally, I, I think it just fired up the, the players. We won't know until next week to see the outcome of the game, but I think it was a good tactic. Similar to how you did it. It's almost, you know, putting the mirror in front of the people and being like, look, look at how dumb you look, right? Yeah, I, like you said, we will not know if the tactic really paid off or not until they come out and play either well or poorly or maybe he gets fired or whatever, right? This does also remind me of our first topic about the all-you-can-eat sushi with the theme we were talking about of not writing a a check that you can't cash. If he really says we should fire everybody, including me, you know, what if they come back and say, okay, you're fired? Then he can't really complain, right? 
So then you risk your tongue. He, yeah, exactly. So he's really like putting his neck out there and taking a risk. And if they do end up firing him, even if it's at the end of this year, at the end of the next year, in five years, in twenty years, if they ever end up firing him, he can't really ever complain because he already said they should fire me. Ask for it, man. You asked for it. You literally asked for it. So that's that's embarrassing. Maybe subconsciously he wants it, man. Maybe he wants he wants the out. He doesn't want to have full blame and ownership. I mean, he could say, yeah, you know, they did it. I was just kidding. And then he's like, yes, I snuck out. Who knows? Man? You never know. You don't. You know, Vontae Davis, you never know what guys are going to do next. You don't. And you know what? Maybe Dirk Cutter just wishes he had the bravery of Vontae Davis to actually just stand up and say, I'm quitting I'm, re- I'm out during the middle of the game if he wanted to i mean his team was down 38 to 3 it seems like a good time everybody <laughs> a lot of the, the buffalo bills players were like how dare you quit on us during the game how dare you quit on your brothers do you feel like that's a valid case that they have or do you think that that as a teammate Fonte doesn't really owe them any explanation I think if it was, what'd you say, 34-3? The, with the Bills, I'm not sure what the score was at half, at the half, but they ended up losing the game 31-20. to They were definitely losing. Okay. Um, but do you think his, do you think he owed his teammates an explanation? Do you think, because some of his teammates would be like, how could you lead your brothers out on the battlefield when, you know, we needed you to have our back? You know, do you think he still made the right choice in just being selfish and doing what he needed to do for himself? Or do you think that... His teammates are justified in, in being kind of pissed off at him. I think it's his, his own decision, man. I mean, yeah. the fact that you're going out there every Sunday, basically on some, like, warrior culture, Beowulf fucking... Yeah. Like, <laughs> Shout out to Beowulf, though. <laughs> I, man, it, it takes a lot to do that day in and day out, especially with the health risk. So, he, I mean, quite frankly, he doesn't owe them anything. That's what I think. I mean, yeah, it may look bad. It may leave a bad taste. Players might get a little salty, but, I mean... No offense, it's going to come down to, and I know he has 12 years, you know, packed up, and it may be inevitable, but it's going to be like, do I want CTE when I'm 50 or want it when I'm 70, quite frankly? Yeah, and it's better, in my experience, it's definitely better to um, delay CTE as long as you can. That's at least what I've heard. Like you were saying, I think that's part of the way that owners sort of trick players in a sense, or motivate them, maybe is a better word. Because obviously you know if you play football the dangers of the sport. But I think owners sell this sort of vision of being loyal to your teammates as a reason to sort of risk it all and lay your body on the line, put your health at risk. But really, it's not loyalty to your teammates. It's more loyalty to the people who own the football team. Because they're the ones who really make the most money off it. At the end of the day, your teammates might be disappointed for you not playing, and it's like you feel like your brothers, you practice together, and then you don't show up. But each football team has like 50 players, so it's really not like one specific guy is going to bring the whole team down unless it's like Odell Beckham or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or something, but there's only so many of those guys. So I think sometimes the way ownership and leadership in the NFL, they're like, really, you got to do this for your brothers, but it's not really for the brothers, it's really for them. It's really for their boss. Exactly. And that's, hey, that's not just true about football, man. That's true about all sorts of different workplaces and walks of life.
somebody else who definitely doesn't feel like they really owe their teammates anything is Earl Thomas. Now, Earl, I love him. He's a legend. He's definitely one of the best football players out there right now. He's won a Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks. Earl just broke his leg this past week, and a lot of guys break their legs, so that's not the reason we're talking about him. But as he was getting carted off the field, Earl actually stuck up his middle finger towards his own sideline of the Seattle Seahawks and flipped the bird to his own teammates and coaches. Now, the backstory behind this whole situation is that Earl was holding out before the season, which means that he was not attending practices with the team. He was trying to pressure the team to give him a contract extension that would guarantee that he would be on the team and still be getting paid, obviously, by the team for the next three or four years. Since they never gave him that contract extension, he was playing this season on an expiring contract, which is still going to be expiring at the end of the season. But now that he broke his leg, he has no guarantee that he'll still be able to play football, how good he's going to be. Now, I trust that this man's going to work really hard and come back. But it's really, really, really difficult, obviously, to rehab when you have a broken leg and come back to your full ability. So that's why he was pretty salty, because it turns out that all of his deepest, darkest fears and concerns were absolutely justified, and he didn't want to play because he was worried that an injury might change his ability to earn income based on his skills playing football, and that's absolutely what happened. Now his whole next season and his whole future career is in doubt, and we don't know what's going to happen because he's had this really gruesome injury. But a lot of people think he kind of went way over the line in being disrespectful towards his teammates and towards his coaches. Do you think Earl is justified in making this gesture towards his teammates? Do you think he should have saved it for the locker room and just cussed him out, maybe not his teammates, but his coaches, when he got back into the locker room? Or do you think that's cool to do that in public on the field? I think there's a reoccurring theme here with this episode. It really is resistance and the ability to empower yourself, right? Yep. So the fact that a lot of the contracts and stipulations that are involved with the NFL must guaranteed, incentives that entice players to do things based on potential, if you will, justified, man, because this is a guy's livelihood. This is your income. KC, you connected the dots, brother, and that's why they pay you the big bucks. That's why we need you on the I'm Open pod. I didn't even really think about that thematic connection but when I was creating the show when I was putting together all these topics but now that we're talking about it it's totally connection and that's with agency for the athlete which we've always been in support of and supporting these guys to really make as much as they can and vouch for themselves and look out for themselves in a limited window that they have to be professional athletes and that's totally we're I think we're both in support of that because these guys have to do whatever they can to make sure that they make the most of their limited windows here Exactly, man. I mean, no one's going to fight for you. you got to be aggressive to get what you want. Now, granted, if he had some tact or, you know, he was able to kind of cool off and assess the situation and foreshadow, you know, his actions, then, you know, it probably wasn't best to give the team and the coaches a middle finger on national TV. But like I said, man, all things considered, it's your job, it's your livelihood. You put so much time and effort into this, you're little your whole life, and then they kind of throw you to the side suddenly, and you don't know, right? It's not guaranteed. There's always a guy working hard to try to take it. And the fact that, you know, he's had this long career and all this stuff, and then just, you know, with one uh, flick of the switch, they can switch up on you. It's, it's kind of disheartening because it's like, you know, you, you don't really feel like you're valued. You're just like a number, literally just a player, like interchangeable part. It's not like the NBA where it's like, oh, man, you know, John Wall, you're hurt. We got you, man. You're our guy. Look at you. NFL, they just switch guys in and out all the time, man. So I think it's totally justified. And 
between, you know, not not so much the Tampa Bay Bucks coach, but him, Vontae Davis, other players that retired, man, it, it's setting the standard, like, you know, your owners, your coaches, like, the league doesn't run without us, you're losing fans, you're losing, mm-hmm. you know, people aren't buying tickets, stadiums aren't being filled anymore, viewership is down, so I think the players, man, you know, you may see it next season or something where they might do a total strike, man, because they're, you know, we're in the age of big media, guys are starting to read more, guys are starting to really look at the business, shout out to to uh, your boy from the Cleveland Browns, who now he got in trouble for like money and investment. Yeah. And oh yeah, Michael Hendricks. About <laughs> social media and all this. No, you're right. So, so this is the, you know guys are starting to read more. I do think in the NFL, guys are now having a more outspoken, off the field presence versus you know just being players. And once again, man, I, I think he took a stand in a way, and you know hopefully the team you know, or the ownership rallies around him, but he knows that it's not guaranteed, and if that was kind of his final hurrah, then it's unfortunate. But, yeah, man, I mean, able to have agency in what you do is, is really, really important. And almost it goes a little, um, you know, so we'll use Odell, for example. He just got the max contract, yeah. highest paid wide receiver ever, and he made that happen, you know, so that's agency on that part. Kirk Cousins, same kind of deal. So, you know, there are guys that are basically securing their financial futures but a lot of times man a lot of these guys are you know league contracts bare minimum just making it every day and it's tough man if you're not like a star player right absolutely it's interesting when you think about it because you just mentioned how a lot of these guys are retiring young thinking more about their future beyond just the game of football what they can accomplish in their life and earl thomas's main running mate cam chancellor they had been together on the seahawks for a long time And just before this season began, Cam Chancellor actually retired, and people were really shocked because I think he's only 30, and he's really still been great. But he just said, look, I've accomplished a lot, and I've really done all I need to do. Now I want to get out of the game while I can still walk away while I still can, basically. And it's like, and it's crazy when you think of the juxtaposition of then his teammate, Earl, he comes back this season, he wants to make sure he gets a guarantee to, to keep going, and, you know, that guarantee is not there. And you can see what what really happens when these guys don't have contracts. When people are like, oh, how could you put the finger up at your teammates? His teammates know he was not flipping them the bird. I think the guys know on the team, Earl Thomas isn't mad at me personally. He's, rad, he's mad at the coaches or he's mad at the ownership of the team. It's not a personal thing. I'm not mad at the players. I'm not mad at you guys. I'm I'm mad at the system. It's one of those things where, you know, folks don't see the impact till later. He's actually advocating on their behalf, like using himself as the example. But, you know, most folks that take a stand and do stuff like that, the impact or the aspect is not seen until much later. So folks were mad at Cap, you know, not players that say, but were saying, why would you do that? What's going on? But you you don't know what the ramifications, or ramifications, you don't know what the positive change will come later, man. So, like I said, man, this is the age when guys are really starting to think beyond the sport in terms yeah. of just playing on the field, right? And you start to see it in the NBA too, man. Like when LeBron was wearing the I can't breathe jokes and all this stuff. I mean, dudes are really understanding. I think, David, you made a great point. I think it was on episode 16 or 17 when you basically said in the NBA, you know, Adam Silver is literally letting LeBron run the show. Like, yo, man, set the tone for the league. Whatever mm-hmm. you want, go ahead, right? And it's just unfortunate that the NBA is not that way. The NFL is not that way. Yeah. Oh, yes, the NFL, I'm sorry. No, you don't. The NFL has this kind of bureaucratic, micromanaging way where the players really don't have a voice. It is. And I think it's interesting. Earl is a super respected guy around the league. Obviously not at the same level as LeBron because nobody's really at the same level as LeBron, but 
his voice really does carry a lot of weight, and I think he knows that, and I think he knows that whatever he speaks up, it's not just for himself, it's for all of his teammates, it's for all of his colleagues on other teams, it's for people who are going to play football even after he's out of the league, right? I mean, just this past offseason, Earl Thomas actually got together a lot of the most talented young safeties in football and he brought them all together I think in Texas because that's where he's from and he was like giving them all his tips and they were all practicing together Earl was kind of like a big brother to all those guys and and these are all guys who aren't even on his team so that shows that he just cares about the game he wants all these guys to get better even who he's competing with so I think you're right like I think he really just does care about the game more than anything I think he was in the moment he's probably not going back to the Seahawks regardless though after doing that after flipping the, the middle finger during the game I just think they probably won't Bring him back. One of those things where it's like, I mean, to make a statement like that, you just gotta know that, you know, it is what it is. I think he'll last. He'll definitely be okay. As a personally, as a Giants fan, I would love for the Giants to get him, even though he has a, you know, broken leg or whatever. I know he's from Texas and he played college at Texas. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a Dallas Cowboy or if he ends up going to Houston, maybe as his backup option, but he's definitely going to have a lot of options even even after this went down. I just don't know if it's going to be in Seattle, but maybe that's okay with him at this point, too. Yeah, man, I think he's okay with that. I, I think he put out the message where it's like, you know, if there's any team that wants to give me a chance to rock with what I'm doing. Basically, what his his free agent interview, quite frankly. I think you're right. I think basically that's him saying, okay, Seattle, y'all played me and you showed me how you really think of me. So this is goodbye. Exactly. <laughs> not the uh, not the best class act way to go out, but definitely uh, something that we'll remember for uh, the foreseeable future. D- definitely. That's a legendary moment. That's a, We've had all these different groundbreaking things going on. The first person ever to suggest he should be fired, the first guy to quit during halftime, and the first guy to flick off his own team on national television. We've had all these different historic groundbreaking moments going on in sports. And the first man to eat uh, over, over 15 pounds of sushi, to my knowledge. And get kicked out. And get, and get banned. So there's been a lot of history making going on all over the world of sports. But yeah, Earl definitely left super salty. And I'm pretty sure the Seahawks are salty too. So everybody's salty in that relationship. And that seems like it's going to be going towards a bad breakup. Somebody else who's super salty right now is me, actually, because Maroon 5, it has just been announced, is going to be playing the Super Bowl this year, not 2008, this year, 2018. Actually, it's going to be 2019 by the time the Super Bowl comes around. Maroon 5 is playing the Super Bowl in Atlanta. Jeez. When you... Oh, man. Okay. Casey, you know a lot more about music than I do. You know... How many talented musicians, artists, performers come from Atlanta? Future, the godfather of this very show, being one of them. Gucci, Migos. I mean, it goes on and on. I love McConan. I mean, mean, it goes on for days. They literally could have had a superstar hodgepodge mashup of everybody from Atlanta. Instead, they chose Maroon 5. How do you feel about this? Are you excited to see these guys play during halftime? I am not excited. It, it could be worse, but I think the NFL, once again, missed the mark, man. Like, 
Like you said, it's Atlanta. It's 2019. It's, you know, Atlanta's a big, flashy city, hip-hop city. They got the new stadium, the Dome. It's like, yo, Maroon 5? Like, bro, I mean, does Maroon, I mean, I don't even, I'm trying to think. I know Maroon 5 has some pretty big songs, like, uh, but I, can they can they carry the weight of, you know, like a Lady Gaga, Beyonce? I mean, I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem like A-list star power, whereas, you know, if I was the NFL, and I would I would start, you know, if I'm Roger Goodell, of course he's not thinking this way. Yeah. I would try to reunite Outcast and have that as the Oh perfect. Yeah. Why would you not get Big Boy and Andre back for the Outcast reunion in Atlanta? That's a great I idea, mean, Casey. If we're, if we're going old school T I would also be I mean two chains. I mean, hey man, how how cool would it be to see like a, a hey uh, kinda yeah, and then just, just go all the way up. Like so from Outcast all the way to current now. You, I mean there's a lot you could do with that, but you know, if they want to hear uh, moves like Jagger <laughs> Yeah, so there's a couple things. All right, first of all, and I just feel like this just goes in general. Once you're on, like, reality TV, like, isn't the main guy from Maroon 5, like, on um, American Idol or something like that? Or The, Vo- or the Voice? Or is he? He's on one of those, right? The Voice, yeah. The Voice. Okay, once you're on one of those shows, like, we can no longer take you serious as a musician. You've given it up. You have moved into reality TV and you are no longer just like, you know, your band. Like, honestly, that's when the band needs to be shut down. <laughs> right? Like, that's, that's too far. Like, that's too far. It's a retirement gig. Boys and the Super Bowl. You have to pick one. You have to pick one. And you do one or you do the other. Like, you can't do both. Now, who does the voice? Is it ABC? Because maybe they have a Super Bowl this year. Maybe there's just like a special deal. Now, now I'm trying to get to the bottom of the conspiracy. Whichever channel the Super Bowl is going to be on, maybe they're the people who do the voice. That that's the only reason I could think of doing this. What, who is, it? is Adam Levine and and Simon? No, I'm, I'm getting those. Two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying Simon Cowell and Super Bowl introducing the new five. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, man. Like they just missed their mark. Like you thought it was so cool. You could have an Outcast reunion, Future Gucci. I mean, I should, the list goes on. Then any and every rapper is pretty much from Atlanta. If it's not from like New York or LA. Shout out Travis Scott, Jake Harden. Everyone would have loved to see a good old, you know, Luda, Usher, Lil John rendition of Yeah. Oh, I mean, come on. It's just one of those things where you miss the mark. And it was funny started on music folks. Do you remember during the Stanley Cup Finals when Lil John was the ambassador yeah. for the Las Vegas Golden Knights? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. That was my favorite moment, my favorite hockey moment of the century, for sure. <laughs> it's like, it's like, man, he, I mean, and it's not like any of these people would say no. It wouldn't be all. They would all love, love right? to do it. They would all love it could, to do it. It could be like a massive turn up to the point where, you know, players probably, I mean, it's a Super Bowl, right? So halftime is huge. It dictates, you know, the trajectory of the game. But I'm pretty sure we would have an episode where, like, so-and-so didn't even go to the halftime meeting because he stayed out to watch to the watch show. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. They, they would need to make the halftime, like, double length so the players could stay out, watch it, and then go back and have their team meeting. Like, I can see a scenario, man, where the Super Bowl, you know, say it's, uh, oh, especially the young team like the Rams, like, if the Rams go, all those dudes, they would not be in, like, the halftime meeting. They would be waiting. But I guarantee you they're not going to be excited for Maroon 5 at all. Oh, no. They're not going to care. Now, here's my other question to you, KC, and maybe you can break this down for me since you know a lot about music and just the music industry more than I do. I'm pretty sure Maroon 5 used to be like a band. 
not that they're not a band anymore, but just just bear with me for a sec. Maroon Five used to be like a band that played instruments, right? Didn't they play like guitar and drums and stuff, like a sort of rock pop rock band? Like a le- legit like you know pop. Like back when they were like doing like miles and miles out. You remember remember that one? Then there were. <laughs> that was yeah i mean that's coming at the super bowl she will yeah so so now that they don't do that anymore now that they have songs like moves like jagger which is just basically sounds like they're trying to make themselves sound like bruno mars basically now they're just trying to sound like bruno mars to, it, to, when i've heard their songs i've either thought they were bruno mars or like justin timberlake or something it sounds like that's the kind of the kind of music they're trying to make which i guess it kind of makes sense both of those dudes have also played the super bowl but What's the point of having the other four dudes in the band if it's just if they're just like basically making Bruno Mar Bruno Mar music now? You really just need the one dude who's the main guy who's on the voice, Adam, who we already talked about. What the hell is the point of having the four other guys in the band still? So, so what you're telling me is the real truth is that it's the Super Bowl of Adam Levine. That's who's doing the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, what the way... The Voices judge Adam Levine is doing the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, just to break that down, like, what's the point of still having a band together if there's no... I don't think they all sing in the band. I don't think they all harmonize. I think it's just the main dude who's singing. It's just Adam. So what do the other guys do? Just hold guitars and look, just look cute? Or, I mean, what's going on? I, I think it's, it's your, your question is the answer. So they basically just keep the, the structure of it. It's just, it's just a way of differentiating themselves from like solo singers or something because then they can say, oh, no, no, we, we are a band and we have a full, you know, we write songs and some are going to guitar and some are going to drums. So I think that's just kind of like a safe-based thing, man. But like you said, we all know it's pretty much just Adam Levine. No shade to the band members, but like... It's really just him. I don't understand the point of the other guys. Just one last point before we move on from Maroon 5. And, and like you yeah. said today, man, on the I'm Open IG, it's disrespectful to the real bands like the Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. Each one of those guys, they might not have done a lot, but we, we do know they, they had contributions. They could all say, and they just knew, none of us play instruments. They didn't even fake it. None of us play instruments. We all sing and dance, right? So they were going more for just like uh, shouting out to the old, like a temptation style band where it's like none of us are going to play instruments. We're just all singers and dancers, and that's the way the band is. It's like a boy band, right? Shout out to, I mean, like back to, to Motown days and stuff. Obviously, the Backstreet Boys aren't even close to, close to the Temptations. I'm not trying to say that. But they never even pretended. Like those dudes never even picked up like a flute or a guitar or, or a cello or anything. It was just like, we're all out here in tight pants and we're going to, you know, dance together. But, like, I feel like Maroon 5 kind of tried to make it seem like they were a band, but I just don't understand what the other guys do. Now, last point, we can move on from the Maroon 5 thing, but I feel like it's just, it's out of date to name your band based on the number of people in your band. That was like a total 90s name. <laughs> Like, are there any bands you can think of? There's like Maroon, because that's the color you like, and then Five, because me, Adam, Adam, Chad, Brad, and Adam, so that's Five. <laughs> I'm sorry to the other Maroon Five guys, but uh, I, do, can you think of any groups out these days that are based on the number of people in the group? Or any any groups of, of of any kind. So I'm thinking of Three Six Mafia, but I don't I don't think that was in relation to the number of people they had in the group. So <laughs> I'm just that that definitely has a number in it, but I don't think that's I don't think that's that's uh, the number of people they had. Yeah, there, there's a, a rapper who 
5'9". Oh, Roy's 5'9". Is that based on his height? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's good. I mean, D12 was Eminem's old sort of. D12. But did they have 12 people in it, or was it? They had 12 people. They definitely didn't have 12 people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to... Link 182. I don't think they had 182 people. That would be way too many for one band. But anyway, I think we can all agree that it's good that we no longer... I mean, look, 21 Savage, obviously, but I don't, it's obviously just one guy, and, and he's not going to be 21 forever. I don't know if he was 21 when he started that, <laughs> started his career or not. But I think regardless of the fact, we're all glad that we are, we are past the phase of naming your band based on the number of people in the band. But I'm just really surprised. I'm really surprised at the NFL that they thought this was a good idea. Actually, I take that back because the NFL thinks a lot of terrible ideas are good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I'm, I'm personally offended. Let's just put it that way. Because of all the incredible options they could have had, choosing from Atlanta people who would represent the city and actually make people really excited maroon five come on super creative man they could have had it like shot where like you know it wouldn't look like that if you were actually in the arena but they could have hit up donald with everything for Atlanta yeah and like make it look like an episode or, um, you know, oh. some kind of cinematic like they could have gotten deep man they could have gotten cool you know but all dropped. oh that's an incredible idea all right casey here's what we're gonna do as protest to the nfl's choice we're going to have to put together an alternate Super Bowl show produced by Donald Glover featuring T.I., Outkast, 2 Chainz, Lil John, Migos, Future, Gucci, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find everybody else who needs to participate. It's going to be like a crazy musical Atlanta episode, and that's going to be the real Super Bowl halftime show. I'll just reach out to all their, their people, have my people reach out to their people, and I'm sure we'll be able to set it up. Because that's really what the people need. You, th you think the Vegas, the Vegas Knights were on or something? I think they definitely were. Though, Lil John, now that he was in Vegas, does he still have his, his loyalty to Atlanta? Is he out in Vegas? I don't know. He might be getting ready to be a Raiders fan now. <laughs> well, well why, they, uh, I don't know if you saw it, man, when the, the uh, Rams played last week and one of the players scored by G. Why G? Was in the end zone. So yeah. Did you, did you see that clip? Yeah, so that was when um, Robert Woods scored a touchdown and YG was, like, standing on the back wall behind the end zone, getting ready to dap him up as soon as he had scored a touchdown. It seemed like he was making, maybe, like, breaking the protocol of what you're allowed to do as a fan because he was, like, basically on the field. And he was dapping all the players. That was the funny thing. Like, it wasn't just Robert Woods who dapped him. Like, other players came up to dap him, too, because it was just YG. Um, and then Robert Woods actually gave him the ball, which was dope. <laughs> From the touchdown. I'm telling you, man, this this is starting the whole revolution, man. Yeah. Players leaving, players doing this. Rep. I think they're gonna start their own league. The players. Separately. Yeah, and the NFL is a waning force. Like mm -hmm. we talked about a couple mm -hmm. of weeks ago. Um, you broke it down. The NFL. Yep. It, it, it's waning, man. It's the it's there's nothing really there that entices fans, especially new fans, versus like your fanatics, like me, you, Giants, mm -hmm. folks at Green yeah. Bay. Like, but retaining fans, what's what's keeping them watching? Yeah. Probably not Maroon Five, although that probably will give them a different demographic who may not have watched the Super Bowl already. So maybe that's what they were trying. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> 
uh, the NFL might be trying to get get back all the people who are mad about uh, mad about Nike with the Maroon Five. They're trying to bring all those people right. back in, reel them back in. All those people who are who you don't you don't like Nike and you don't like <laughs> Lil John. We got some. Boys. You might you oh, might like exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You just gotta please everybody. You gotta please everybody. Of course, we cannot say goodbye without mentioning our mask-off performer of the week. You already know this segment is dedicated to the one and only Future. Mask on, fuck it, mask on, mask on, fuck it, mask on. This week, our mask-off performer is none other than Kobe Bryant. You were just talking about, you know, how the NFL is losing fans. Somebody who is not losing any fans, somehow, even though he doesn't even play professionally anymore, is Kobe. Now, the legend of Kobe just seems to grow and grow and grow, even though, like I mentioned, he doesn't even play basketball anymore. But these Kobe fans out here will still, like, fight you if you say that Kobe isn't better than, like, LeBron. Or if you don't think Kobe, like, you'll still fight me? But you're so here when I'll let you say your piece, Casey. But you're not as crazy. A lot of these Kobe fans out here probably think that Kobe could still win the MVP this year if he decided to come back. No chance. Like a lot of people, just the legend of Kobe is so big, and there have been stories of like people getting an Instagram or Twitter or you know debates about how good Kobe is, and people showing up literally in person to fight each other over something they said about Kobe. Like, people will protect Kobe's name over their own family's name. Oh, uh, no, I'm not that crazy, man. I mean, you're not, I know you love Kobe, and I, you know, I... LeBron's the greatest player in, in the entire history of basketball. Wow. Well, that's big, that's big talk. I know you do love Kobe, though. I love Kobe, too. But something that really rocked me to my core, something that I just can't get over, is a video that just came out. Now, this is like the Zapruder film, but for Kobe. Which the Zapruder film was like the JFK film that came out of his assassination and that basically the equivalent just came out for Kobe now the most classic Kobe meme of which there are many but the most classic Kobe meme of them all is one in which Matt Barnes who's a gentleman who battled Kobe many times uh you know as he was on various different teams pumped the ball and faked like he was going to throw it into Kobe's face and Kobe didn't even flinch at all and it was like the he just stood looking stone-faced and that is like the classic everybody's like look at Kobe he doesn't even flinch somebody's about to throw a ball in his face from like an inch away Kobe's cold-blooded mamba that's what they call him black mamba like a you know like a snake no fear in his eyes whatever cold blood but a video just came out that showed from a new angle that the ball wasn't even close to Kobe's face Kobe was next to Matt Barnes, so even if he threw it, it wouldn't hit Kobe in the face. Were you, KC, as a big Kobe fan, were you upset when you saw this video? How did you react? Did you cry? Did you break your computer? Were you, do you hate Kobe now? How did you react? I think it's an optical illusion. The image, what, what, what does it say on the uh, rear view? Images. Objects. The closest, objects may be closer than they appear. Right. Look, man. The, he didn't flinch. The ball wasn't that close to him. It's the, the fact about it is, it still reigns with the legend of Kobe. Is like the total black mama. Like I don't give a fuck. I 
don't think it, I don't think that takes away from any you know in terms of the proximity of where the ball was and that ball. I think it just still shows like he's unfazed. It's, it, it's quite frankly, it's not it's not even that serious. Like this isn't like a big shot or like a game winner. This is just like a fun thing on social media that people just run with, right? And it is funny, like you're saying. To, for, like, memes and for the internet world, this is probably, like, the most iconic Kobe just moment in terms of just photo, gif, meme, right? But in terms of, like, yeah, the man won championships. The man won MVPs. The man won scoring titles. So that's not his most iconic basketball moment. That's just kind of his most iconic internet moment. And that's the interesting thing about what people take and run with. Exactly. You know, it, it's just, like, a cultural kind of thing. It's like, a, oh, this is a Kobe moment, but it's not that it gets too crazy. Well, I'm glad you're not getting too crazy because I'm just envisioning out in Southern California. People are probably jumping out windows, setting TVs on fire, just rioting, just looting the Walmarts, just, you know, just pushing, pushing shopping carts, you know, through glass doors and shit. Like, people are probably losing their minds. Thanks again for listening to the I'm Open podcast. We hope you had just as much fun as we did. Everybody, throw us a like, subscribe, tell your friends to listen to the show. Follow us on Instagram at I'm Open underscore pod for awesome sports content every single day. Everybody, have a great night and don't forget to stay open.